1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John Leggert and Trevor Sykema here with you guys. It is not a Fan Friday, though. I hate to break it to you guys. Fan Friday will just have to wait a little bit longer because, I mean, this is for the fans. It's for the people. I was going to say,
0: if yeah. you make it sound like we right. do, we're not, we don't like the fans or something.
1: I should restart this episode, but... <laughs> we press on. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's for you guys, you know. But we're just not answering questions this Friday. Maybe next Friday we finish up these teams. Maybe we'll see if we can get to some of your draft questions and close out the draft, the 2017 draft season for the most part. Um, on a high note. Um, but today we got four more teams to talk about for you guys. And the first team we're going to talk about is the Arizona Cardinals and their draft. And I think everybody knows what I'm going to gush about in this draft, and it's the fact that they freaking picked up Buda Baker, a top 10 player in the second round with a 36th pick. He was my highest-ranked player that they drafted, actually, even over Hassan Reddick, who I like as well. But I thought those first two picks, man, got their types of players, versatile athletes, smart guys who are going to play 100 miles an hour all the time. Um, And they got their type of guys in what I thought was a really, really good range um, and and filled two important needs for them. I think that, that that they really needed a guy. Just I mean, Reddick's gonna wear a couple hats for them. Baker's gonna wear a couple hats for them, and he gets to be with his uh, his little clone master, and Tyron Matthews. So now they got two guys like that, plus Pat Pete. I mean that that secondary is gonna be nice, man. I mean I know they got a, a hole at that right cornerback position, but that secondary's got some really nice pieces right now.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because they they're picking up a lot of like, I guess I would say, like, Arizona Cardinals kind of guys. You know, like you mm-hmm. said with Redick there, um, wears, a, wears a couple of different hats, doesn't necessarily play like a traditional one position that you see all over the place. And as the Cardinals have uh, kind of evolved into the team that we see now, you know, they've added players like Matthew and Dion Buchanan and a couple other guys here and there where it's like, okay, here are these special kinds of players who are a little bit unorthodox and um, – not traditional in terms of the roles that we think they are, but they're still playing good. It's not like they don't, but now it's like Baker is a Baker is another safety corner hybrid, and Reddick is another, you know, like linebacker slash edge player slash whatever he is. And so now it's it, it's not like a normal defense with a couple of these splash players. Now it's like whoa, almost half of the defense now is of these like Arizona Cardinals type players, where they're almost kind of. Uh, it, not not tweener because when we say tweener that's a bad thing but they're mm. just they're just different types of players sure. so we're really seeing a uh an arizona identity much different from i think the rest of the nfl with these two players who i think are really good players i know you had Buda Baker as a top 10 guy on your team mm. um or on your board for the Tampa bay buccaneers i know they loved him a lot i think that he would have been the buccaneers pick had Uh, I think in the scenario where they were at at 19 I know they really liked him I know they would have liked to trade back a little bit maybe farther in the first round to still pick Buda Baker but I know he was pretty high on their board and when I put him in the top 10 of like my Bucks big board people were like there's no way Buda Baker's a top 10 player on their board and I was like eh you'd be surprised Baker's pretty good so
1: there's about a 100 spot drop off on my board from Buda Baker to Justin Evans don't tell Bucks fans don't tell them. Wow. Keep it a secret. Yeah. Wow. Um. But it's this steep. is yeah, It's very steep.
0: That's three rounds. <laughs> steep.
1: Yes. Uh, I was early fourth range on uh, Evans and Baker was in my top ten. So, ah. Uh, but anyway, but they got OJ Howard, so you can't be upset. Um. But Arizona, what's interesting about their the formulation of their roster is that they really haven't emphasized defensive line very much. Um. Except for the Kamdichi pick, right? And, and they let Class Campbell go and. Yeah. They still got some guys around. Like Josh Moreau's a good player. Rodney Gunner's a good player. Corey Peters capable. I don't think there's any game changers in this group unless Gamdici shows up for this season as opposed to last. But everywhere else, man, I mean, Deion Buchanan, Reddick, Dansby's had a great career. And I think this is like his third trip back to Arizona. Chandler Jones, Marcus Golden. I mean, that's one of the top edge rushing tandems in the league. Pat Pete, Tyron Matthew. Anton Bethe is here now. Uh Tyvon Branch has had a little bit of a resurrection here. Buda Baker. I mean, this is a group that Tyron Matthew can play in the slot. He's played some outside, I believe, last year. Late last year he did because of injuries and Brandon Williams wasn't ready. Um, that outside cornerback spot opposite Patrick Peterson is what is really the most concerning right now. And I wonder if Matthew sees reps back at corner. You know, and 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 uh, Baker plays in the slot some and
0: outside corner though? That'd be yeah. I mean, they have, but didn't he play of that in college? Like, he 10? played,
1: he played outside corner in college, right? Yeah. He,
0: he did play corner in right. college. He I did. think
1: he got some reps there last year when they had some injuries. I'm pretty sure I was reading that. Um, but I think they'll move them all around, but my point is more, what are they going to do about that other outside corner spot? Because they really haven't addressed that very much. And mm-hmm. now you've got, if you've got. Matthew moving back maybe he's a safety then and so they just have like all these interchangeable pieces like is Baker yeah, going right. to play safety or is he going to play slot is Matthew going to play safety or is he going to play slot or is he going to see more outside reps you know who's going to be the the Tony Jefferson play in the box player is that going to be Baker um you know he, he's smaller than, than than Jefferson for that role but really talented in that capacity on tape um you know is Tyvon Branch going to play there is Antonio T- Antonio Bethea going to play you know, the Rashad Johnson role from a couple years ago. And so there's just a lot of, I don't know what to expect from this group. So I'm really, it's kind of like the San Francisco D line. Like we were talking about uh, mm-hmm. the other day yeah. that you are not really sure, you know, whether it's going to be, you know, who's going to be where, but you like the talent that's there basically <laughs>
0: Two two later ish picks that I liked. And I mean, third round it's not really later but i like chad williams mm-hmm. now i don't know about third round but I, I do like chad williams a lot and then i actually like the will holden pick in the fifth round i think will i thought will holden's pretty decent so
1: yeah will holden in the fifth round is about as in this draft was was pretty much gold i mean if you could get him in that range i felt like mm-hmm. you were like that's that's fine you know because he can play in the nfl at least and, and in this group you know if you could find a guy like that in the fifth round that's a pretty nice move i think uh Dorian Johnson, if he's healthy, and I know there's been some health concerns there, but if he's healthy, man, he was like he was a mid to late second round value guy for me, and so they got him in the eighth pick in the fourth round. He's a plug and play guy, at guard for no question to me. So he he and Ayapati would start a guard, Shipley um, or Bame uh, in the middle uh, at center, and then DJ Humphreys quietly played well. And I know you might have been tracking this. I don't know if you were because he's a Gator, <laughs> but he. He played well last year when they moved him to left tackle. Imagine that, playing a guy at his natural position and he played well. when Val here went down with an injury. So I,
0: I did not follow him last year enough, and so actually, he, you saying that to me is the first like positive thing I heard about him, because a lot of people were right. like really freaked out when he went. As early as he did in the draft right and uh so that's I've, interesting that's good for him though Cool, right,
1: that's right. i think when he moved to left tackle people were like whoa whoa so now i i bet he stays there and veld here comes to the rights i don't know what's going to happen for sure but yeah when he it's, when he went it, over there it was a big it, it's not
0: it's not as easy as people think no, it's right. not it's not like it's in madden where you just change somebody's position from left right. tackle to right tackle you have to learn It's a different side of your body that you're learning different kind of footwork with. Um, You know, for if you're on if you're on one side or the other, your one of your feet is more dominant than one side. So if you're playing one side of the line for years. Right. Flipping over to the other side isn't just like, right. oh, yeah, you can play right tackle because you're not as good as left tackle. You still have to change everything about how you move, mm-hmm. how your feet are dominant, which way, you know, how you open up your body, open up your hips. It's just not natural because you've been playing it a different way for so long. So that makes sense that you move him back there, actually, and he's he a little better. So um, it's not as easy as people think moving. It's not just like, oh, yeah, you're you're the second best tackle, so we'll put your right tackle. Yeah, right. like in theory, <laughs> but it takes it, there's some more. There's a little bit more detail to it than that.
1: And, you know, what I liked about this draft was that they didn't ignore the offensive line because I do think it's been a little bit of a weakness. And, you know, maybe Will Holden eventually starts at right tackle when Veld here moves on. And Dorian Johnson, honestly, I mean, the way that their depth chart looks right now, he's probably their starting guard if he's healthy. So, and I like Bame last year in the fourth round, and maybe he's ready to take over for Shipley. Who is Shipley is just that dude who does not die in the NFL, man. He is—he has been on 100 different teams and just hanging on to a roster spot. But, you know, and Arizona loves those kind of guys, and I think he'll provide great depth there. But they've kind of resurrected that offensive line a little bit with some of these picks, I think. In, in a year that was as destitute as it was at offensive line, let's put it this way, I think that Arizona did about as much as they could. So... I like those picks. I really liked every pick Arizona made to be honest. I think Chad Williams a little bit of a reach again, but given what they have there, draft. yeah, he's sure. gonna develop and you know, I, I don't I don't have a huge issue with it. I think TJ Logan in the fifth round, that's a little scat back, man. He reminds me of Andre Ellington who hasn't been able to stay healthy. So
0: Yeah, unfortunately. Ellington's right. fun when he's healthy. Oh, yeah. but- and
1: I think Logan can give you a lot of those same components if he's able to stay healthy and, and Ellington continues to struggle with injury. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a good draft by Arizona. I thought they I got, so they made themselves better. Um, the big holes, I think, are still that outside corner. That I mean, they teams just threw all over that whoever was that was it was Bethel or Brandon Williams when he was out there. And they got to
0: draft a quarterback now next year. Like right. it's got to happen, right? So. Right. I mean, but I think pick, that, they're picking a good class to do it, or else in, you know, in theory, looking from right. a year out, it's it's a good class to kind of need it. So right.
1: Yeah, I thought they addressed some needs, but you're right. Long-term, I think there's still a decent number of concerns in Arizona. Um, and, and you could see this past offseason, they weren't able to bring back Minter or um and or Tony Jefferson. So losing those guys, it's going to hurt the chemistry a little bit for sure. Um, Houston, the Houston Texans did what I thought was exactly what they should have done. They do not have a lot of holes. Go get yourself a quarterback who is ready to play now, who fits your system, who can work well with Bill O'Brien, who has the winning traits that you've been missing so desperately at the quarterback position, go up and get Deshaun Watson. They grabbed him, the best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion, with the 12th overall pick. I thought it was a phenomenal move, phenomenal selection. And after that, it didn't really matter to me. (laughs) That was the big need, I thought. I think they did some other good things. But to me, their move going up and getting Deshaun Watson, if I were going to list top 10 moves in this draft, I would probably have to applaud that one right up there with the, with those top ten because I think that even and even if Watson doesn't end up being a guy that gets him to the Super Bowl, taking the risk and going and doing that is it's what O'Brien had to do. He needed to win. He needed to have a better option of quarterback. Everything else in the offseason had flamed out. This was his best call, and they didn't hesitate. So I was, and they I have
0: was a th- they have a Super Bowl caliber defense. Oh, you know, yeah. this is the number one defense in the NFL last year. I think statistically, in right. a lot of ways, without J.J. Watt, <laughs> uh, right, without J.J. Watt, and so you know they get him back. Clowney's obviously going at a whole another level. Uh, they get Zach Cunningham in the second round to be a linebacker to play in that three four. So I, I thought it was a fantastic draft, and I, I love Deshaun Watson. He's my QB one, and I really like him in Houston here uh, because i i you gotta feel like with brock osweiler last year there was just like even in the huddle th- there mm-hmm. there had to have been no confidence in oh, this yeah. guy there's no way that new copkins was like yeah man we can get this done maybe i believe in this i gotta think that like uh, week four nuke was like this year's over i'm just trying to not get hurt basically like right. there's there's no way that you could have believed in him and i can't think of a quarterback well, I mean, there is there is not one in this class who I would have rather had to come to my team and be a franchise, a signal caller and a franchise quarterback more than Deshaun Watson. Like when this guy gets in the huddle, he's played in the biggest games that college football has had to offer over the last two years. And he has performed beautifully and he he just always seems to have the confidence to do whatever he needs to do. Sometimes it's quietly, sometimes it's, you know, it's loud and in your face, whatever it is. Uh, It can be coming from behind or keeping a lead. His arm is what people question, whether he can get get the ball down the field the way that he needs to in the NFL. But man, you just like, even beyond, just take the kid. I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that they took him to be a leader Mm -hmm. for Houston, especially on a team that has leaders on defense. It's about time that they had a leader at the right place on offense, and so... Uh, I, I'm I'm very happy that Deshaun got to go to Houston. It's an ideal situation for him No, I mean and not just for him and the team but for us as football fans We get to right. watch Deshaun Watson play in a great offense with a great defense already perhaps You know contend for that division title and a couple playoff wins in his first year So who knows it could be you know, it's possible.
1: hmm Oh, yeah, it's uh, no question. I mean the south I think it's on it's on the come-up, but it's... Will you know, Fuller's
0: just got to catch a damn ball. Right? Yeah,
1: that's honestly <laughs> what it is. Will Fuller, and, and, and I said this, I think it was on it was either on this show or one of the other gazillion shows that I do, but I said that Watson is kind of coming into a similar type of environment in Houston that he was at at Clemson. His weapons are really the same. I actually had tweeted something out about this a week before the draft, I think, that if he were to get selected by Houston because there was a rumor going around that they liked him a lot. He has some similar weapons. You know, I think lamar miller wayne gallman might run a little harder than lamar miller but they're both kind of guys that are good solid backs that aren't going to take l's and and they're going to get you some yardage but they're not going to take over either or carry the offense so he's again in a similar type of backfield where he's going to need to be the guy but there is a little bit of a running game to lean on you know and again an offensive line that's solid and not spectacular and i think in the, in the passing game hopkins has a lot of similarities to mike williams and you know Ray Ray McLeod and and, um, and he has that big play threat ability. Deion Cain showed that big play threat ability this past year. Then you find similar things with Will Fuller. They tried to use Artavis Scott like the Texans will probably try and use Braxton Miller. Miller's way better suited for that stuff than Scott was. But and then Hunter Renfro and the and Leggett and the security blankets over the middle and things. I mean he has that in Fedorowicz and Griffin. So it's it's going to be very easy for him to feel at home. I think with this offensive group and and i know they didn't add a whole lot throughout the rest of the draft on that side of the ball you know dante foreman in the third round who's probably going to be uh you know a a develop more developmental type running back i think for them i mean i think lamar miller and alfred blue might be your top two guys but uh i think overall the, the the framework is set for this offense really to be in place uh for the long haul so had to like what Houston did, I think, right? I mean, not only with Watson, but I think Zach Cunningham's a great fit. If you watch them against New England in the playoff games, Bernard, Bernard McKinney and and uh, Brian Cushing couldn't cover any of their backs out of the backfield, and they mm-hmm. got crushed. And so having Cunningham, man, an athlete like that, uh, to, to come into the slot and to, and to flex out when running backs move out and tight ends, and I think he just gives you a lot of athleticism. You could see him break on the coverage on tape a couple times, break on the ball in coverage, and it was just really impressive stuff. He looked like a safety, and um, I love the way that he plays. I think that there are things that need to be cleaned up about Cunningham, but I don't think you're drafting him to come in and be an every-down guy. I think you're saying on long and late downs, you're coming onto the field and you're locking somebody down for us, and and I personally love that fit. I think it works perfectly for Houston.
0: Yeah, I guess in the last, last bit, I like Carlos Watkins a lot more than other people do, mm-hmm. so I thought that that was a good pick in the fourth round because I'm a – I don't know why. I just I saw Carlos Watkins make so many big plays in the ACC and in the playoff games. I'm just like, you know what? That's a D lineman that I think he's going to work his butt off every single play. So I like him a lot. So I'm higher on him than most people. So I thought he was a good pickup, even beyond the the top two couple guys that they got.
1: Yeah, I had him in the fourth round, and so this was. I mean, it actually had him higher than 142 on my board. So yeah, based on my board, I think it's a steal. I don't. I don't know if he's a high impact type of guy, but I think he could start. You know, and, and it will rotate in at the very least. So yeah. Um, I, I thought, even though I'm not a Julian Davenport fan, this was, you know, th- they have Newton and they have um, Brown, and they need to get a tackle to take over. And Newton might be cooked. I don't know. They they got to find out what's there. You know, I think when they get to camp, they need somebody to be able to take over Um, eventually there. And so this draft, slim pickings, obviously, and you had to get your quarterback. So I get that they were in a little bit of a tough spot, but Davenport to come in and develop – I can get on board with it. I think it's a long shot, but I think that I can understand why. And you only, you take him at 130. I think at that point, six seven three twenty 6'7", 320, vines for arms, smart kid. I think he works hard from everything I've heard. Take your shot there. So, I, yeah, I can't, can't be disappointed with the things Houston did in this draft. I think that they had very few holes to fill. They filled two big ones with their first two picks, and then they got some good depth pieces down the road, or down the line in that draft that I thought they really needed. So, Big fan of what they're – and remember, they get Nick Martin from Notre Dame back who missed all last his rookie season with an injury. Then mm-hmm. I thought – I had him as like a thir- top 35 player. I really like Nick Martin. Oh, wow. So yeah. I think that makes that offensive line even better uh, heading into the season. All
0: right, who's next?
1: New Orleans, baby. Speaking of getting people back from injury, their whole defense basically returns, and now they're going to have Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams in their secondary as well.
0: They got CB11 – or they got CB1 at pick number 11. That's yeah. – that and the uh, that and the OJ Howard pick just baffle me. How those guys got there, really? I mean, right. it makes sense with the quarterbacks why the quarterbacks are, you know, when they were traded up and traded the way that they were. I guess the slide that that those guys had, but
1: right. whew, yeah, man, I
0: mean, what a steal.
1: That's right. I mean, I mean, you got your starting free safety to take over for Jairus Bird, and he's going to be an upgrade. Bird wasn't playing well, and you got now Marshawn Lattimore and Delvin Bro, if he's able to stay healthy, who looked really good when in the last couple years when he's been able to be on the field. PJ Williams still factors into things. I think Von Bell might move to the slot and do some work there, um and you can mix and match with your with your three safety looks if Kenny Vaccaro is able to stay healthy. There's yeah, tons what is of talent, Vaccaro? Man.
0: what is does Vaccaro? Does Vaccaro technically play more safety for them? Yeah, I Vaccaro, think
1: so. Right? Yeah, Vaccaro is more of that strong safety type of okay. player. Yeah, and I think you know Von Bell, they when they drafted him was like, oh, he could play single high. You know, he could take over for Bird eventually, and then everybody and their grandmother got hurt, and so I think it was he was forcing the lineup as well but i don't know that he's really that instinctive on the back end to play that single high spot and it may be closer line of scrimmage some in the slot um chemistry is going to be the big thing these guys if williams and Lattimore start bros barely played (laughs) you know these guys haven't played a lot together i think so um i think that there's going to be there's a lot of nice talented pieces there but it's up to the it's up to the coordinators to make it work now and not only there but i think also adding anzalone i mean that's that's another Florida guy, and I think that, honestly, this was a problem. In this linebacker class, this pick made a lot of sense because the Saints had to get one and address the position, I think. And mm-hmm. clearly, by looking at what the Saints did, they really liked this draft because they had they drafted six guys in the first three rounds, and then they gave up some things next year to go get guys. But on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, adding Anzalone and situational pass rushers and Trey Hendrickson and al Muhammad that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, those are guys that they think they can rotate in, and that's all they need from them right now. You know, they have a lot of guys for their base packages; they just need some guys for long and late downs and third down situations to to come in and put and give them some juice off the edge. And I think that Hendrickson at least has the ability to do that as a rookie.
0: Yeah, I think if Anzalone would have been healthy for his entire time at UF, we're talking about you know him going in basically the same spot where. Jared Davis went. Hmm. It might have been Anzalone goes first. Because he, you know, his body frame and the athleticism that he has and how he can fly to the ball, like, he's a good risk in the third round. Mm -hmm. But, like, make no mistake, like, he is a risk. He was hurt a lot at Florida. And I don't know if his injury, like, certain injuries that he's had, are like, chronic or anything like that, or if they're going to really reoccur. But, I mean, just like, I I hate – once a guy's healthy from a lot of these things, you you want to be like, Okay, well he's healthy. But you can't just say that you can't act like he was never hurt because right. he was hurt quite a bit. So there's definitely a risk there, but like this is a kid who's a former five star linebacker recruit coming out of Florida. Like he he moves very well for being his size, and you were you're right, with the Saints and we know now that, that the Saints were about to take Reuben Foster at thirty two. Right. So they were looking to address the need big time, and we talk about Foster having the athleticism to get sideline to sideline and track down ball carriers and, and get the certain spots in the trenches. Anzalone has a lot of that same ability. I'm not going to say he's as good as Ruben Foster because I don't think he has, he's nearly as aggressive kind of like, like mm-hmm. Foster is. But he has the athleticism to do those kinds of things. So that's why he falls to the third round. And that's why, like, hey, if you miss out on picking Foster early, they run the risk and they try to hit a home run with a linebacker who, they, you know, they already got a great offensive tackle, might be the best pass-blocking offensive tackle mm-hmm. in the class. And Ramchick, they got CB1 already with Lattimore. They got Marcus Williams in the second. It's basically like their class was, it, 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 with the draft that they had, it's kind of like they said, hey, we got these three guys at the top. We're basically playing... Uh, you know, like for home runs the rest of the draft, and I think that's what they did with Anzalone and with Trey Hendrickson too. I think they're just they're just hoping they hit a home run with Trey Hendrickson and that he can uh get the I, I guess the football IQ to be able to do everything that he needs to do in right. the NFL because like yeah. let's face it at FAU. He's just way more athletic off the ball mm-hmm. and off the snap than all these other guys, and he's wreaking havoc everywhere. And you want to see the stats, that too. I don't want to. I don't want to not make it sound like when you dominate against lower competition, you're doing something you're not supposed to, because that's that's what you're supposed to do. But there's right. still going to be like a learning curve for him. I think of the NFL once he goes up against offensive tackles and and help blocking and all of this that's really going to be pretty new for him so those two i think they're trying to hit home runs with the kamara pick is interesting only because they traded up a bunch for him.
1: right and we talked but, about kamara at, on monday's podcast when we were just kind of going over our initial impressions yeah and but i and i really think that they had they addressed a, a need to me that was has always been a staple of their offense but giving up a second round pick next year i think that it was clearly it was a it was a we're going all in move i think you know we're yeah. building every, every piece of the team we feel like we're missing for this season we love this class we're prioritizing the guys that we see on the board that are available to us that we think fit those needs i mean you know what what else can you say they traded like all their day three picks and you know like you said a second i think a second round or next year to, to move up mm-hmm. and get kamar and I think I give him credit for going all in while Breeze is still healthy and playing the way he is. I think that's the way to go.
0: That's true, and they must not think that highly of Mark Ingram. I think Mark Ingram is – I don't know. Like I always think that the Saints are a running back by committee anyway. So when people tell me, oh, Ingram's never been a 1,000-yard rusher. He's never had this or that. It's like, okay, well, this is the Saints that we're talking about. They only put the ball in the running back's hands to basically, like, ease Drew Brees' arm for a couple plays, you know? That's what it's all about. And so I like Kamara. I think Kamara's good, and I, I actually sure. like his fit for the Saints. Right, I, it's a great fit. i just given up a second – you're basically – you're giving up a second-round pick and your third-round pick this year by selecting him, and to to get a guy who you're running back – your running back committee is already pretty dang cluttered. So how much yeah. – How many carries does he have to get to make it worth it? And maybe they're thinking, okay, Alvin Kamara didn't play a lot at Tennessee, so he doesn't have a lot of wear on him. So like in two or three years, we're moving on from both Peterson and Ingram anyways. And this guy's just going to be our dude in two, three years. So maybe that's what they're thinking with with not a lot of mileage on
1: him. They've also got a potential out out of Ingram's contract after this season, and he has been disgruntled in the past. So I think it's something to monitor. That's probably it, then. Yeah. Yeah. That that if if Kamara comes in and shows out, for, first of all, I think if Kamar comes in and shows out, then I mean first Adrian Peterson's presence shouldn't keep you from doing anything, right? Like the guy. I mean, he's he's old at this point. He visited with like ten teams, and nobody really nobody signed him. So I'm guessing that there were at least some concerns. Some you know running back needy teams were looking at him and saying, yeah you know and this is one of the best running backs ever. So, I'm guessing he's not 100%. The Saints bring him on cheap. That's fine. Maybe it's a year, you know, I maybe he comes back for a year, but he does he shouldn't stop you from really building do think, any more direction. Do I you
0: think Do you think the starting running back committee for the Saints in 2018 is uh Alvin Kamara and Daniel Lasco?
1: I don't know. I don't know about Lasco. That's, you know, we'll have to discuss cuz I, I I think he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's ever more than just like a part of a backfield. So maybe that's it. Maybe he's a part of a backfield with, with, um, uh, with uh, Kamara. that's
0: what I look at when I see their depth sure. chart. And you're telling me they got an out for Ingram?
1: Yeah, then, they got an out yeah, for Ingram. Yeah, I think
0: so. 2018, they might be looking at just right. starting Kamara and Lasko as right. their one, too.
1: And in the meantime, uh, you're right, I think the long-term view for Kamara is that. And in the meantime, Kamara is is a great fit for the pass-catching, playmaking type of back that that Sean Payton and Drew Brees have always utilized heavily, and that they d- haven't really had the same capacities when Bush and Sproles were there. I mean, they've had some good players, some capable players, but to me, that was Kamara's best fit in the NFL. That's why when he was getting that, this guy might be a first-round, a top-20, first top-30 top player in this draft. I was like, whoa, 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 well, wait a minute. Like, I like Kamara. Like, he can be a great weapon, you know. this ki- This kid's dynamic, but you're going to take him in the first round. I I don't know, man, like he's not McCaffrey, you know, so it was just kind of bizarre to me. Uh, but so then he has he ended up, we'll see where the NFL actually likes him, is more in the third round, and, and the Saints actually traded up to get him. So mm-hmm. they obviously felt strongly about him. But this range, now I can get on board with it because, and especially in New Orleans, I think he could be really productive there. So not that his game's a finished product, but I do like the fit, and I know – Giving up a second isn't something that you want to really do, but I think they felt strong enough that Kamara could develop and be their guy. And remember, he was never really the guy at Tennessee until you heard left, and he kind of eased into that role. But I don't think he's – I think I remember reading it and and looking it up when I was writing uh, his report is that he never had 20 carries in a game in college even. So there's still some developing to be done with Kamara, and he tested pretty well. And I think that on tape, he clearly shows a lot of big flashes. Yeah,
0: short area explosiveness—a guy who mm-hmm. can really dominate you um, in close. He's never gonna—he's never gonna outrun people in the NFL. He sure. just doesn't have that straight line speed. But uh, again, when we're talking about New Orleans, makes sense. So, right.
1: yeah, I think it's a good fit. And, and New England's another team, and they kind of tied to New Orleans because uh, New England didn't have a pick until the third round, and, and at least part because. You know, they gave up a uh, what was it, a second round pick for Coney Ely, and they gave up a first yeah. round pick for Brandon Cooks. And so New England's
0: the, New England's draft pisses me off. Yeah.
1: It's four Because guys. they got
0: Rivers in the third. Yeah, and that it is. Pisses me off.
1: New what England you goes 80, What is the rest of the NFL <laughs> doing, man? Eighty two picks New England goes without a selection and they get a first round pick. Did not give Rivers to the
0: Patriots and you blew it
1: oh man the they patriots all blew or it something Dude, uh, so like say? during
0: the um this had to have been like i don't know like 8 10 picks before the the patriots ended up picking rivers and mm. i tweeted out i could see it right. coming i tweeted out <laughs> if the patriots get Derek rivers i quit not like i quit my job like what like i quit like i just quit i don't know like i just quit i'm done right. And that happened and then Patriots Twitter found it and uh, everybody was like, all right, see ya. <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> I got so many tweets from Patriots fans who were like, all right, bye. Have fun retiring. <laughs> and uh, I don't think they realized that I was saying it like in a, holy crap, the Patriots right. are so good way right. um, because it really is great. Like, how do you take two of your their first picks away and they get a play? I thought Derek Rivers, I think Derek Rivers is one of the top 30 players in this class.
1: He's instantly I, the best pass rusher on the team, right? I mean, Joe yeah. flowers is an interior guy. Maybe definitely the best edge rusher on the team. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, he's better than Coney Ealy for sure. Not even a question.
0: I think they got a future pro bowler in the third round.
1: Yeah. And, and they got a, they got my, well, Carl Lawson, because of, I, I'm guessing because of medical reasons, but Derek Rivers is my only other first rounder still on the board. And um, yeah, he's down there and the Patriots. Don't have a first or second round pick. And, they pick about eh, midway through the third round, and they still get a first-rounder. Uh, yep. And then I thought they came back and they got Antonio Garcia two picks later, who, you know, there's definitely some inconsistencies with Garcia on tape, but in this draft, if I had to have one tackle to develop in this range, I was taking Antonio Garcia or Jermaine Illuminor uh, from Texas A&M, and I like Garcia a little bit more as a tackle, Illuminor maybe a little bit more inside.
0: You Really narrowed that statement. I thought you were going to go super bowl. You were like, if I could take any tackle, and I was like, oh god,
1: <laughs> just in this from, draft
0: <laughs> from this draft. And I was like, okay, in this range, and I was like, okay, all right, that's that's a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I you mean, were going to put him over you, some of the other guys.
1: You got to take him top 100, I think. Like, I think Garcia has, oh, yeah, 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 a I lot of ability. Let's put it that way. And and they're you know, their set of tackle, Cannon, and uh, what's his face, solder. So the, he's not going to start right away, you know, which is perfect for him. And and he'll get a great coaching from uh, Dante due with the complicated last name, Um So he'll get great coaching from him, I think. And it, he'll – remember, people thought people thought a couple tackles in New England had flamed out. And, and we complain – we gripe and complain about Solder, man. If you watch him, it's just like, how is this guy doing, doing, getting it done? And, you know, Patriots fans hated Marcus Cannon for a couple years. And then last year, he was a total stud for them. Um, and allowed them to move on from Volmer really pretty easily. And so I think that Garcia, on this coaching, and what Skarnacki has done with this unit, I feel great about his chances uh, to be able to become a starter in the NFL. So I was excited about that pick. Dietrich Wise in the fourth round, I mean, he's like Trey Flowers light, not even – I mean, it's just funny. Both Arkansas guys – both guys that had a lot of the same positive traits. Flowers was more explosive. I think a better athlete on tape than Wise Wise was and probably a little more powerful. Um, but Wise is like a poor man's version of him, man. Um, and it's, it's just funny. The Patriots have their type. And Wise is a guy that can play some base end for you, be an interior pass rusher. And uh, I think they love the chances of being able to just develop him more than anything, I think. Um, you know, he's going to be a lot better pro than I think he was at Arkansas.
0: Yep. Yep, only 4 picks, but man, I think they
1: uh Connor McDermott's sh- not going to make the roster. That's my bold prediction.
0: Well, I mean, he's a 6th round pick. Your base that's 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 not a real call. Are you saying John? that's not
1: bold. It It's a 6th round pick. Yeah, but who is he's got to beat out Ladrian Waddle? I don't if he can't
0: beat out a 6th round pick,
1: I don't know, man. Connor McDermott. Did you watch him at the senior bowl? Are you saying he can I, or he will or won't make it?
0: No, I'm saying he won't. Well, oh, I'm saying oh, I'm saying, saying like you saying you saying he won't make the roster isn't oh, that bold of a Oh, I got it's you, a I got six you. Round pick. Right.
1: Well, yeah, it's not that bold of a call. I'm not a very bold man. I'm not when it comes <laughs> to the Patriots. <laughs> what can you predict with this team, man? Uh what they're gonna win pre- a lot. That's true. That's the only thing. But yeah, I'll now take. actually looking at the depth chart, I feel really good about my prediction because <laughs> Garcia, Solder, Cannon. That's my big prediction. Hey, you want to put a wager on it, like Samaj P Ryan? No, 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 no I am not I'm not like just bring up I'm a not sensitive a, topic. I'm sorry. God.
0: I, whatever I just end it just end the stupid
1: <laughs> well our week is our week is finished you get two days you're free of me we come back monday <laughs> and we wrap this puppy up we got what do we get 16 teams we got 16 teams to go and then boom we'll be done it'll be ready for a little fan friday action uh so yep. make sure you guys tune in next week if you want to hear more of this mindless rabble uh we'll be wrapping up a couple more teams and uh talking some more nfl draft and by the end of the week, man, we'll be we'll be we'll be tying the knot on the 2017 draft and starting to look ahead to next year. Obviously, you know, keep these guys in the process, you know, see where they're at in the NFL and talk about them as they're in camp, but we'll start turning the page a little bit and looking on to to next year's class a little bit and really to college football season, let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, because we got a long way to go to 2000. Yes, the Lord. Yes. Uh, so as always, thank you guys so much for listening. Give us a five-star rating on uh, iTunes, on Boom um and let us know what you guys think of the podcast and let us know if you got some off-season ideas and you want us to hit them. man talk to us about it rap to us about it we'll promise we'll listen as always thank you guys so much for listening and keep it locked right here on locked on nfl draft